Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code podcast for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Tremendous. Tremendous helps you set incentives to all your respondents, making them happy and eager to participate in your next study. See how Tremendous can save you time and money on research incentives at Tremendous.com. Hello, everybody. It's Lenny Murphy and here with another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Appreciate you taking the time to spend a little bit of your day with us. And today, my guest is Matt Bell, founder and CEO of Honest Labs. Matt, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege and I'm excited about uh, sharing what little I know. <laughs> you know, humility is a trait that takes us far, doesn't it? So, <laughs> all right. So, Matt, we, we wanted you on because you spoke at IX in Austin on how to develop deep customer connections through NFT communities. But you've got a varied background with lots of irons in the fire. So, before we dive into the NFT conversation specifically, why don't you give us a little sense of your background, all the things that you're doing, and what brought you to? this topic of NFTs. We'll go from there. Absolutely. I think by way of introduction, and first off, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I love doing podcasts and uh, love, you know, just chatting with new folks and sharing good, good ideas around the world. So my background is quite varied, as you put it. Started out in banking, was considering going to law school, then 2008 happened. And obviously, we know what happened then. And decided that, you know, well, there's a lot going on in the digital technology space. I think I'm going to jump ship and change industries altogether. I was young enough in my career that it was a good time to make lemonade out of a really bad situation and found myself in my home in the digital technology sector and haven't looked back really. So it started out in you know the digital marketing world at an agency. Then I went into the ad tech space at a company called Linkshare, which was then bought by a larger tech company out of Japan called Rakuten. From there, I was recruited to be one of the first marketing employees and early employees at Shutterstock, a company that we all probably know at this point, one of the most storied New York City, New York tech, Silicon Alley startups. Founder John Oranger bootstrapped it all the way up to $2 billion in, in revenue and owned a majority of the company at the IPO. Was very early on, uh, helped grow uh, several revenue channels for them. Very exciting. But that's where the entrepreneurial bug bit me. And I realized that, hey, there's a big world and a lot of resources and a lot of ideas, and we can create things that can change the world. And I saw that happen firsthand. So I had a startup of my own shortly after leaving Shutterstock, a company called Brewdrop, which was one of the first on-demand delivery apps for beer, wine, and liquor. It was kind of the Uber for anything business model was happening around 2014 as Uber was coming big. And we were first in Austin, launched, had viral success, TechCrunch wrote about us, blew us up. And ultimately during that time, like everyone was creating these. So we decided the space was getting really crowded. I didn't really want to be slinging alcohol necessarily my whole life. So we sold the company to delivery.com, came up with a pretty great deal, aqua hire situation. My co-founder went on to work at delivery.com. 
then I, um, I just started my own agency and I own some e-commerce businesses. I help kind of, I guess our DNA is, our DNA at Honest is to bring growth marketing, growth hacking, best practices to the agency model. So there's a lot of agencies out there. They'll help you manage your ads. They'll help you manage your marketing, create content, et cetera. But none of them have been through the gamut of you know, the tech startup lifecycle for the most part. And what we do is we, we show companies how to bring those lean practices, grow their businesses in creative ways like startups do, hyper growth startups like Shutterstock that we were a part of. And apply that to our kind of our model. So that's what we do now. So we build product under the agency. We help companies go. We build websites, web apps, mobile apps. And once the NFT space came around or the Web3 world started uh, to, to heat up, it was an obvious fit for anyone with my wheelhouse of experience. So I saw this as a great opportunity and really kind of jumped headfirst into it. And I'm now part of two projects uh, that are both ones early. Uh, one has already been through the sellout. It's called the Chummy Fin Club. And both are would be qualified as successful NFT projects. Even amidst the downturn, we continue to thrive. So that's a little bit about me. And uh, I'm excited to talk more about all of that. But I'll let you steer the direction. That's great. And very cool background. We could actually very selfishly go back and forth on a few things where our stories are similar, but we won't go there right now. So, and I'm glad that you brought up the current downturn because I suspect that a lot of folks that had started to pay attention to, you know, the entire Web3 milieu, if you will, and everything contained in it with, uh, with blockchain, NFTs, and et cetera, et cetera, it's lost their luster for them. My take is this was a necessary bloodletting, right? That it's uh, part of the, the maturation process. And, you know, there's a lot of crap out there and adversity makes that go away while the, the good stuff rises to the top and the core technology and core models attached to all of this are the future overall. So for our listeners, there, there's my positioning on the overall topic. Now, Matt, with your background specifically and diving back to your presentation at IIEX, let's get a little more narrowly focused on the role of NFTs as an engagement mechanism and the success that you've seen with that from an agency perspective. Let's just start there. First off, I agree with you in that what we're seeing right now is a purging of the low quality projects. It's funny that we've been through these cycles with new industries, booms and busts of crypto now. We've had four bust cycles, I think, since 2010. Every time, you know, the naysayers say that crypto's dead and it comes back stronger. So I think what we're seeing right now, we're in the middle of a downturn. And I, I've been speaking with a lot of folks who are economic analysts who think we might actually be nearing the end of the bear. So it might be shorter. And I think the boom and bust cycles will be shorter with crypto web three as we get going, as we have more adoption and less institutional power swings. But that's a, that's a, that's an aside. So I think what's important to look at for the state of the market that we're in is it's no different than 1999. We saw the rise of the internet in the late nineties. And then what happened with that is that the greed that comes with it and the money chasing that aren't attached necessarily to high value startups, or there's just too much desire to be a part of the next big thing. We overlook the fundamentals of a business and everyone jumps in thinking that they're going to become a millionaire by investing or the VCs are throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at it. You know, 
Pets.com was a great example. Webvan was a great example. These businesses live on today. There's plenty of you know grocery delivery businesses, Instacart, Fresh Direct, that have thrived digitally. Instacart being the most obvious. It came 10 years later than Webvan. Webvan was fundamentally the same business, but it grew too quickly, took on too much capital, and had an overbloated business model, and it failed. So now we saw the the maturation of the internet space, and all these ideas are now successful after the, the big ones failed in 1999. So what we're seeing right now in Web3 is no different than that. And I have this motto that maybe my brothers and my dad, my dad's in finance on Wall Street. We always say well, every time we see a dip, you know, when in doubt, zoom out, the arc goes up. So every time you're, you're feeling the pain of an emotional downswing, uh, you're feeling the emotional pain of a downturn in the market, it's short-lived. The world is geared towards growth and it always is going to follow quality and it's always going to go up. So right now what we're seeing in the NFT Web3 space is a purging of the low-quality projects. So I would not be hyperbolic to say that 98% of NFT projects out there will fail. I think that that's pretty much a well-understood thing. What we saw was people realized, hey, I can create a JPEG and sell it. I'm going to create JPEGs and sell them. And once the hype of that, so really there's so there's only so much liquidity in the market and all the buyers who are in the NFT space, when they jump from one project to the next, there's not new liquidity being created. They have to sell and then they move on to, to chase the next one. And that's what the JPEG hype was all about. But what you're seeing is projects that have high utility and can offer a good value to their owners, we're seeing a dramatic shift in the way people interact with brands. We're seeing a dramatic shift in the way people claim ownership and membership and access utility. So the projects that are going to do very well in the future and unlock incredible potential for brands and corporations and any kind of enterprise really are the ones that offer value to their holders. So a good example of that is a project I'm involved in called the Society Social Club in partnership with a, a gentleman named Richie Akiva. If you look him up on Instagram, you'll see him with A-list celebrities like Rihanna and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and all these major players like Jay-Z and Busta Rhymes. Those are the folks that he hangs out with in his circle. So what we've created through the Society Social Club is access to his events and his parties. So if you own the NFT, it unlocks access to that world. And that NFT is selling more now in the downturn than other projects. And to buy into that project, it's a $30,000 NFT. So that's a high value, very premium, highly exclusive project because there's a, a desire to be you know, in that exclusive world and a desire to have all access to all the events and experiences. So we're seeing high quality projects thrive and survive and grow during this downturn. So that's no different than what we're seeing with you know what we've seen with Web2, with the internet and all the major post-99 startups and, and tech companies that are adding real value. So what does that mean for brand engagement? Uh, well, I have, I've kind of coined this ethos in my mind that NFTs represent the future of brand engagement. And what I mean by that is, and I said this during my talk in Austin, is that it's an opportunity to cream skim. So you have folks who are who have tried your product, you have folks who are regular buyers of your product, you have followers on social media, you have all these different cohorts of folks who are interacting with your brand in various different ways from haters to net promoters to super fans. And what the NFT world really allows brands to do is to sell access to your social clout, to, to your brand clout. So 
I give the example often of the lines outside of Foot Locker to buy the next Nike sneaker. Those are your super fans. That's the cream that you want to skim. What if Nike launches an NFT project and by the utility that the, the holders of that Nike NFT get access to the next Jordan without having to wait in the line? Then you're going to see them not only continue to buy the Air Jordans, but they're also going to buy this new asset, which is a digital asset, which gives them special perks and utility and benefits within the Nike ecosystem. So it's an opportunity to cream skim, bring your best and most loyal customers and fans and social followers into a community that is close knit, that loves you, that is not afraid to tell you what they don't like about you, even though they do love you. And it's an opportunity for brands to extract some of the most intimate data that you'll get from your customers in a very exclusive and honest and transparent setting. So, so I'll give an example. In our community, uh, the project that I founded called the Chummy Fin Club, it's a sold out project. We sold 2,500 units. We have a 660 holders and we have a 25% of those holders are whales, quote unquote, who own 10 or more. So they love the project so much that they bought in at 10 or more. And we get we give more value to the holders of 10 plus chummies, the whales. But they will tell they tell us everything that we could ever possibly want to know about them. So they tell us, you know, what they like, what they dislike. We can survey them, but we do it through interactive conversation. There's constant flow of communication in our Discord community. I could drop a question and say, know, with a, you know, react with this emoji for yes, react with this emoji for no. I can do surveys on the fly. I can understand intimately how they're thinking, what they like, what they don't like. And I'm going to get honesty because it's honesty that's different than an incentivized survey. So, you know, a lot of brands will send out, you know, fill out the survey. We'll give you a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. What do you do? Like, what's my incentive to actually give you honest information? I'm trying to get that Amazon gift card. But in our community, they own essentially equity in the project. You know, if you think about it that way, they want to see this project succeed. And I can, I can, I can get honest, deep, long form content and information from people who love what we're doing and who want to see it succeed, who can help us become better. So when you think about it in that perspective, a lot of brands, and I'll, I'll share one aside, then I'll pass it back to you because I've been talking a lot. But, um, a lot of brands, when they're trying to improve product, they'll ask their customers, you know, what you dislike, you know, or, or they'll, they'll ask customers who, or users who cancel their subscription, you know, why did you cancel? Help us understand how we can be better. Forget about those people. They're not your customers. Forget about them. The people you want to learn from are the people who love your product. They're going to help you make your product go from B plus to A plus. They're going to take you from good to great because they already love what you're doing. They've got it. They've caught on to your vision. They know what you have to offer. And if the people who don't like it aren't aren't the ones you want to worry about, focus on the people who love your product. And then you're going to expand that audience of people who love your product by learning from the folks who they are, why they love it, why they're buying it, what you can do to improve. Because if you improve it for them, you're going to improve it for a whole new wider audience because they've peeled through the, the scars and the hair to see the value in what you're doing. And they're going to tell you how you can improve it. And that's going to only make things better. So that's what I really love about the NFT space. It's, it's, and I'll sum that all up by saying the technology is here to stay without question. It's the, one of the most innovative technologies, the Web3 crypto smart contract NFT world. It's just, there's, we haven't even scratched the surface on its utilization, but it's an opportunity for brands to sell 
ownership in their brand clout and create communities of their customers that can help them grow, help them learn, help them improve, help them innovate, and also an opportunity to surprise and delight their best customers. So that's why I love it. We're going to take a quick pause to highlight our podcast partner, Tremendous. Tremendous helps you set incentives to all your respondents, making them happy and eager to participate in your next study. Stop writing paper checks, manually keeping track of 1099s, fielding recipient questions, and selecting gift cards one by one. Automate your research incentives with Tremendous. Recipients can choose from gift cards, Visa prepaid cards, PayPal, Venmo, and bank transfers. Tremendous is free to use with volume discounts available. Learn more at Tremendous.com. So you'll know, and regular listeners know this, I've been involved with a a Web3 project for a few years as well, based on personal data ownership and sharing. Uh, And we won't go into all of that. So I, I get where you're coming from. And to echo what you said, when I think about the foundational principles of these technologies, they are effectively the sharing economy in a very unique way. They enable not just decentralization of control, but enable equity ownership and participation from everybody based upon their areas of interest. I think that's what the all of these things power in one form or the other. And when we think about marketing, I love how you position it, that it gives you know fans the opportunity to to have some some stake in their brand that they're a fan of. From a research standpoint, I would argue it does the exact same thing. And the example you used of the Discord community for for engagement, when folks are actively engaged in a topic because it's important to them, and they're not just getting some nominal incentive, but are building a stake in something that longer term has value, overall, that's a radically different world. And I think it's incredibly exciting. And one of the challenges of the research community is that we don't think like marketers, we think like researchers. But yeah, we need to engage with consumers, which means we have to think like marketers. And <laughs> I've been saying this for many, many, many years. And that's it's an issue for the research community to step back and think about that mechanism because research is founded on the idea of anonymity and you know pure data, et cetera, et cetera. But increasingly, there's so much competing for consumers' time and interests that we've got to step up our game to be able to engage with them, to get their attention, to share the information. And that can't be a purely transactional relationship. It has to be something that is based upon you know, real shared interest and values, which creates lots and lots of opportunity for change and uh, in innovation. I think that's incredibly exciting. So if you accept that what I just said is true, and I expect that you do, thinking about the next five years, if you will. We'll just put that that window on there as a, a nominal frame. After we're done with this bloodletting, after we're done with this overall economic downturn and the transformations that will happen as a result of that, where do you see this entire concept of, again, we'll just call it Web3 for lack of a better term. It's a bucket for all of these technologies and all these approaches. Where do you see them going? And what suggestions do you have for listeners, particularly brand marketers, to start preparing for that now? There's almost infinite ways that, that the in- industry can go. 
just like we've seen the internet go, the web two space has gone in a million different directions. Uh, even the smartest minds in the mid nineties, many wrote it off. They said, it's just a passing fad. I think Bill Gates famously said that. So the limits to where web three goes, particularly the NFT space is limited only by the human imagination. So we can go anywhere with this. There's two areas that I think are really interesting that are low hanging fruit where I could see the industry going in a very practical way, both now or in the downturn, there is no reason companies shouldn't be investing in NFT space right now. This is a time to build. The next bull cycle will be a great time to sell, but there are still a lot of people buying right now. So I'll give you the example of my project, the Chummy Fin Club. We've kind of shifted focus to really incentivize. As I mentioned, we have 25% of our community are whales and they're the most invested and supportive players in the community. And we love them. We really do. They, they've really kept the project positive and an enjoyable place to hang out. Uh, and as an aside, one thing that's really interesting about Web3 is you know, Web2 is not cool anymore. I, I don't like really enjoy going on Twitter. <laughs> it's a cesspool of, of both sides of every spectrum. It's like your worst, deepest, most vitriolic thoughts that you could have as a human are just published on Twitter. So that's not fun. But if you compare that to Web3 and Web3 communities, people defend our project, which is amazing. So we had, I'll give you an example. I'm going on a little bit of tangent, but it all makes sense and come together. If someone comes into our Discord community, we got 28,000 members, um, only 660 uh, of them are, are holders. So it's still a place to, to communicate, it's still a place to hang out and engage with folks. And obviously our holders are the ones who are most active. But if someone comes in and they, you know, there's a lot of folks who minted our project early on and they didn't look at their wallet for three months, then they'll come and say, Hey, where are my, where's my NFTs? And I'm like, and maybe they had a technical issue at mint or someone hacked their wallet uh, and they'll start making accusations to the community that this project's a scam. And without question, our community will come to the rescue and defend the project. Now compare that to Twitter everyone will jump on the vitriol. So web three is a positive, happy place. It's more, it's more kind of what the internet should be, which is communities of people building positive sentiment around things that they share interest in, which the internet has gone into the other web two is a place where people are divisive and only focus on the things that they don't have shared interest in, which is really interesting how web three is like that. But in any event, getting back to the topic, uh, uh, the question is, there's two areas where I think the industry is going to go. One is I think, and brands should be doing this right now, is as I mentioned, the example I gave with Nike and many brands, many brands are already doing this. Uh, Coca-Cola, Disney, Lamborghini, uh, just to name a few of the most major brands are involved in NFT projects in some capacity. But I think what every brand should focus on, every large brand that has a meaningful, meaningful audience of customers or users who can launch an NFT project without too much trouble in distributing the project. The challenge with some startup projects that are, don't have a brand associated with it, you have to pay to market. You know, so we spent 350 grand on our project to market it and we sold, you know, it was profitable, uh, you know, from a cost to revenue perspective. And now we have a very vibrant community, but, a brand that has the distribution to an audience who has 
existing social media followers, email users, customer database, et cetera, can introduce an NFT project with very little friction and very little marketing costs. It's just a matter of presenting something new. So brands like Nike, like the example I gave with Nike, and you know, think about this from the perspective of gym memberships and social clubs, golf clubs, there's going to be a group of people in every brand's community that want to buy into the brand in a deeper way. So if you presented someone with the opportunity to own a piece of the brand, essentially, by owning your digital asset, it turns the brand into a tradable asset. There's the economic benefit, but then there's also the, the social clout benefit, which is they want to be a part of this community on a deeper way. So people brag about their Nikes. They have Nike collections. They collect all the Air Jordans. People collect Air Jordans and don't wear them. Those are your NFT buyers. There are That's an NFT, right? If you think about it, they're turning the shoe, the product, into an NFT because why would you buy the shoe and just put it on a shelf? It's because you want to show people that you own that. So you can do the same with the digital asset space. That, that shoe is an asset. Now you can create a digital asset and you can offer value. So what I would say, you know, as an example, Nike should be doing this. I, and I don't know specifically what they're focused on. I think they're, they may, may be already in the space, but an opportunity for Nike NFT holders. Uh, so obviously Nike has contracts with their, with their athlete endorsements. There's a requirement for those athletes to promote and do certain things as a part of their endorsement deals. Wouldn't it be neat if, if you're an NFT holder, you get special perks like special access to the new release of Air Jordans, don't have to wait in line. Or you know whatever LeBron's shoe is, um, I don't specifically know. I'm not an NBA follower, but um, wouldn't it be neat if they did a NFT holders got access to the shoe release and LeBron was there? And it could be then you can create all this content with fans and stuff. The opportunity is phenomenal, and I think for a brand like Nike, they could sell 10,000 NFTs in a heartbeat. And maybe they already have. I don't know. I'm not actually paying attention to NF- to Nike's what's Nike's doing. But that's one example. So brands should be getting into it. They should be building communities. They should be offering value, very high value that's easy for them to deliver on. It could be digital events. That's what the NFT world is all about anyway. And then there's the the second area where I think the industry is going to go in a big way. And I think not only are the NFT space the future of brand engagement, it's also the future of crowdfunding. So to give an example, and Gary Vaynerchuk has spoke about this at length, and he's always pretty right on the dot in terms of where markets are going. He was early to YouTube. He built his entire brand and business off of just creating content on YouTube and his wine show. And then he's branded. Now he's, you know, Vayner Media and Vayner VC and all this other stuff. So he's pretty right on. And he articulated a point, which I agree with, which is think about the old way of funding a a movie or an album if you're a band is to sell your rights, sell your, you know, raise money, raise capital, get a production company. What if you're a well-known artist or an actor or a producer who already has the track record, you could bypass the production company entirely, sell an NFT for varying varying tiers of NFT that in the smart contract give you rights to the back end of the project. So, how cool would it be to sell 10,000 NFTs for the next Top Gun, right? Just to give an example of a, of a buzzword movie right now. And then me, I'd buy that. That's That was one of my favorite movies growing up. And it just is broke every record. So what if the NFT, the smart contract said, if you're an NFT owner, you share in the pool of 
10% of the proceeds from the film, gross ticket sales, that's probably far more profitable than having to go to production companies and traditional film fundraising avenues. And you now share in $100 million. And then the the artist, the producer, the one who actually, you know, if, if their gross ticket sales were $100 million, you're now the NFT project just did $100 million and you share in that that's a far more lucrative sounding thing for the artist and the producers and the actors because they get to keep 90% of their value. Uh, and I'm just kind of doing back of the math, math, napkin math yeah. and ideas, right? This could, this could be any number of ways to be profitable and successful for, for the artist, but that's just an idea. So then you own in the copyright, you know, it could all be tied to the smart contract from an economic perspective, as well as future rights, it's all can be, you know, encoded within in the smart contract and you are owner of that by owning the NFT. So that's where I think it's going. And now think about that from a startup perspective. If you're an entrepreneur and you are starting off, you could fund your entire business by doing an NFT project and the NFT project could stipulate ownership in the business. Now there's some legality that becomes a securitized token kind of framework. Please do your homework on the legality of offering equities, but that's where the technology can go. And obviously, if it's a regulated thing, you know you could you could go through the proper uh, chain of legal requirements to ensure that you're doing it in the right way. But the technology can certainly enable that. So those are two areas that I think the industry sh- is going uh, and certainly should be going. But I think those are the most some of the most obvious applications of of the technology in the near future. Yeah, very cool. And totally agree. And we actually, we did crowdfunding for my blockchain project, Veriglyph. So we raised almost a million dollars. And yeah, it wasn't via an NFT. It was a you know convertible note, that traditional model. But I, I absolutely agree that you know the, the NFT as the mechanism of ownership can be deployed in so many different ways to do so many interesting things. And I think what what is most exciting about that and for our, our listeners and for both in the marketing and the research side, again, it comes down to this idea of engagement, right? Ownership is a is a expression of engagement. So we may be thinking about lots of different kind of tactical applications of the technology to address different business issues. But at the end of the day, you're building a community of folks. And as you earlier talked about the example of, you know, once you have that that community being able to engage with them in a variety of ways to get additional insight and, and participation. That's exciting. If uh, anybody in the, the world of uh, MROX of online communities is listening, uh, I would encourage you to think about launching a, uh, an NFT capability as a new incentive structure for your communities. Uh, Matt, I want to be conscious of time. This has been great. I think you and I can go on for a long time, and I hope to have you back at some point in the future as well to talk about the continual evolution of this. You are so well informed. Can you share some tips with our audience on, you know, folks or resources to pay attention to so they can get up to speed as well? Yes, absolutely. So the market is so new that the information and media platforms and content platforms are still, you know, kind of evolving. But Blockworks is a great one. Coinbase has a daily email. That these are all free opportunities that I subscribe to. There are also one of the things that we we launched as a part of our our NFT project, the Chummy Fin Club. Just go to chummyfinclub.com, join our Discord. 
we have a channel called the Market Chummery, which is essentially a daily rundown of market info, uh, which has both price info as well as useful terms, useful things to know. It's kind of geared towards both market information and updates as well as news, uh, but also kind of informational learning content. So we built that because we saw a gap in important information and a, and a good place to go. Uh, so you can you can come you can come there and get a lot of information from it. Just uh, just join the Discord. So I think that, that those few right there uh, would be a helpful helpful list of op- uh, things to learn about. But also just join communities. You know, go to meetups. Go to online webinars and online events. Ask questions. The Web three space is so gracious with their time and helpful that you will you will get so much information just by being a part of communities and asking questions. Very cool. All right. The ultimate question. What do you wish I'd asked that I didn't? How can people buy your chummies, Matt? (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, uh, uh, I think we covered everything. I think you did a fantastic job, Lenny. This is a very enjoyable podcast. I like the way you guys presented it, the format. I don't have any wish list questions that I didn't get asked, but I I hope to come back on again because I think, you know, we're at the beginning. I, I love what you guys are doing with Green Book because you're looking for the next thing. You're looking for information to share with your community about how folks can, you know, learn and extract data uh, through new technologies. And I think what we're really just seeing the tip of the tip of the iceberg in terms of the opportunity with the Web3 space, which is gonna be, which really at some point will replace traditional Web2. I think we're gonna be far more ingrained in the internet and we're gonna have, everyone's gonna have to have wallets and it's gonna be a really interesting thing. And, and you know, I think uh, let's, let's do it again. That's all I would say is, uh, I guess, Matt, the question would be is when can you come back on? That would be the question. <laughs> all right. Well, that's the one we're going to leave to follow up on, but we will definitely make that happen. So uh, at some point, so Karen will follow up with you. All right. How can our listeners reach you? Uh, fantastic. Honestlabs.co. That is uh, my main business. You can go to chummyfinclub.com. Click on the, the, the menu and, and just join our Discord for free. You can find me there at Matt Bell. Uh, and then you can follow me on Instagram at Matthew Bell Official. And you can follow me on Twitter at BellWeb3. But I'm far more active on Instagram. All right. Very cool. This has been great, Matt. We will definitely have you back and uh, uh, love the conversation and looking forward to following your progress as all of this goes forward. That is it for today for the Green Book Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to give a big shout out to our team for all their support. Karen Lynch, our producer, our editor, the marketing team, our sponsors, and mostly thank you, our listeners, because without you, there wouldn't be a need to do any of this. So that's it. Thank you. And we will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, 
IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research, best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transporting insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.